0: Everyone, and welcome to the Rodeo Kids Podcast. I'm your host, Camry Rorta. And if you're tuning in for the first time, or if you've been here before and you've come back for more, we're glad you're here and we're thankful that you're giving us a listen. Before we dive into today's podcast, which is awesome, I do want to remind you that sharing is caring. So if there's something in this episode or the Rodeo Kids Podcast in general that you just feel like is worth sharing with other people, your loved ones, your friends, your family, Or an acquaintance, maybe somebody you know that's struggling with something and there's just something that was said that stands out to you that you feel like that person needs to hear. We encourage you to share. We also encourage you to hit that follow button so you can stay tuned on our weekly episodes. This week's episode is brought to you by team leader Miley Maudlin from Blanchard, Oklahoma. She has chosen to have a conversation with a woman who's been in the industry probably as long as she can remember. She grew up on a ranch, and she didn't just go to her first clinic when she was young, but she started giving clinics when she was 12 years old. Sabrina Devers and her family have been deeply involved in this industry, and now her and her husband and her family have pretty much created the matchmaking business of the horse world their experience buying and selling horses, training and competing themselves, they have developed this knack and this natural talent and ability to match horses with people at all levels, all over the world, and they just do a fantastic job. Whether you're looking for a 1D barrel horse, a cutter, or your first horse to just get started on because you're still green, they know how to do it. They know how to pick personalities of horses and match them with the personalities and the characteristics and the goals that we as humans have. They stand behind what they say, they have integrity, and they have experience. They know what they're doing today Sabrina Devers from Devers performance horses joins us to share some of her knowledge and the things that she's learned in her lifetime so that we can all continue to grow because she knows that if we're not advancing selves and others we're all losing so we're thankful to have Sabrina on the show today with team leader Miley maudlin taking the lead
1: World
0: Welcome to the rodeo kids.com podcast where we empower youth to be their best selves through the values and traditions of the rodeo and western lifestyle.
1: Thank you. Um hey there. I'm Miley Maudlin and this is Serena Devers and do you want to introduce yourself?
2: Well, I have been a clinician for since I was 12 actually, so I've been around for a long time. I've uh, had People so long now. I've had their kids, their grandkids. So pretty well anything in the industry, I've kind of seen along the way. And we uh, have Devers Performance Horses. Uh, we we are a multi-million dollar per annum uh, sale of horses, and we're a trainer, coach. So uh, that's kind of what we do. Um, my son Cody Devers made the NFR in uh, steer wrestling, and we deal in performance horses of all genres. Um, and today we're at the BBR finals uh, and then headed to the Ruby after
1: the BBR. You're always going places and it always makes me so excited. Um, we sold the horse on the way down here, actually, and um,
2: waiting on on the Zoom deal, we uh, were working on the transport, so I had to have people go in there and get log into our barn so that they could get the horse to get them out. Mm-hmm. It's it's something around our place
1: <laughs> yeah. i was thinking we can maybe start um with your childhood and how you got into horses and how you started with all of this sure
2: well one of the first things i remember is my mother had a bookcase there in the living room and it had all these little trophies in there she she showed horses i always wanted some of those trophies and i think that's why i'm kind of addicted to prizes still And my dad was a team roper, so my mother would take me to horse shows, um, started out with 4-H, and then went to the quarter horse shows and uh, made the quarter horse youth team and and show events, and then uh, quarter horse world. Um, My dad was always in the team roping, so leaned towards the rodeo, so I would kind of alternate. One year I'd do the horse show stuff, and then the next year I would do the rodeo stuff. So um, that's all. I've never had a real job. So that's all I've ever done.
1: Yeah. Wow. How did you get into buying and selling barrel horses, or all types of horses actually? Well,
2: my uh, growing up on a ranch, we didn't have we didn't have funds. My dad was a ranch manager, so we would get horses uh, off the track or horses that had been uh, rejects, but they were very athletic, and we would rehab them, get them to working and we sold them and that was an income. So um, I sold my first pony when I was nine that I had got when I was six. So kind of got used to selling those horses. So you kind of make them and get them to working, and then you'd sell them. So early on, uh, I was just used to always promoting a horse and getting it sold. So that became kind of an industry. When I met Marty, uh, he he trained and sold horses um, and so when we got together, uh, we were rodeoing, and we started selling our own horses to keep going rodeoing. Well, then the first kid that you have, you think, "Oh, this will be fine. We will, we will just be the Brady family and do this caravan." Well, it's hard to rodeo with kids, um, especially at that level. So the first one we got by with, the second one come along, and it was like, "Okay, this is this is hard to do. We're going to have to kind of lay off." So then it kind of evolved to us primarily selling horses, we couldn't, we could not produce enough horses to meet the volume of clients. So we started really searching out those better end horses from customers that we knew, trainers that we knew, uh, contestants, and started representing those upper end horses. And it just grew from there. Uh, We were very particular as to what we sold. um, And from that, our business line excelled. Excel.
1: So, what are some traits you look for in horses?
2: For me, my market is a, a large variety. I don't try to just pinpoint one line of horses. I don't just sell fertility horses or open horses or uh, I mean, we sell them all. Uh, if somebody's looking for a cutting horse, we'll have a cutting horse. We we try to fill the market by picking out specifically what that person's wanting what they're needing so that they will excel so um we we look primarily for disposition that's the first thing i want something that wants to win for you um because sometimes we may be selling to a celebrity which has happened you know we sell to a celebrity but then we may turn around and be selling a horse to their maid so it's a variety you know you may be selling a a low-end cost individual, and the next thing you know, you're selling the high six-digit horses. Uh, so I need a user-friendly horse. That's, that's our market. We're known to have horses that anyone can get along with, and if they do blow them up, that you can bring them back. So I need something primarily. I want that really good disposition. That's the first thing I look for.
1: How do you pair up people with horses so well? What makes you know that these are the good matches? You
2: know, um, I did my first clinic when I was 12 years old, and I thought, wow, this is easy. I, I, I was really surprised because these parents called and said, would you take our children that were my age <laughs> and would you do a, a clinic? And so we first started those at the ranch. And early on, you could kind of see why this is going to work for somebody and why this is not. So. When I'm looking at a horse, I first find that person. And uh, for instance, like you, um, you know, I look at the instance where that rider's ability is and what that um, career building is going to be. Is that person, are they a full-time student? Or is this a mom of five kids? Or is this somebody that's, you know, going to the NFR? You know, um, I try to figure out, what they're setting is going to be what the environment and what that horse can take. Like, for instance, we sold uh, this week another horse that went to uh, Long Island, New York, and so I know that those pens tend to be smaller. I, I I figure on the environment that horse is going in and the work uh, type setting that that horse is going to be in and how much experience that rider's got, how much support system. So. Um, I put all those factors in when I'm selling a horse. So, I, you know, ultimately, I'm not trying to make that sell as a quota. I'm trying to make that sell for that person to do well, and and that in turn is going to be great advertisement for me. It will not do me any good to sell something just to get it sold and then not do well. I don't need, I don't, I don't want the headache. I want people to do well, and when they think of our name or see our brand. I think, oh, that's a good horse. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. How is the current market impacting you? I know it's constantly fluctuating. So um, how do you think the market is going to change and how is it impacting the industry right now? Well, the, the industry has been
2: unbelievably hot, Um, and it has been on a roll for quite some time uh even during covid we still sold over a million dollars worth during the covid years and that was with canada and california and new mexico and arizona they were shut down so the market for us has always been strong but our client base is very solid we've got the same clients uh, we don't try to expand it our business expands on its own just by pretty well word of mouth you know where, where did that horse come from and uh, they'll kind <laughs> of Sometimes they'll send them to you. Sometimes they keep us a secret. <laughs> but um, the industry, I kept thinking at some point this thing's going to go down because, you know, not that long ago, you could buy a really nice prospect, a really nice prospect for, you know, 7500 to 10000 That same prospect you can't touch for twenty now now. Uh, the market with things like the ruby buckle and the pink buckle, um, those, those prospects have gone through the roof and are staying steady. Um, uh, this month we've sold three six digit horses and they all went to youth buyers. Um, no, we got one that's a WP buyer. Uh, so there's four, but three youth and one one that's a youth. I mean a WP. So that market is holding very steady and uh, I, I've been surprised it's held this long. Um, but I don't see it going down any, even, even, uh, with, a a market in the world market, even with inflation, horses are still a, a great market.
1: Yeah. If you were to talk to someone younger, maybe wanting to start, um, in a career related to you or in the step in that direction, what would you, what are some advice you would give that person?
2: Well, I get that question a lot because, um, you know, when, when Marty and I got married, his parents were like, you need to get a real job. (laughs) And that kind of, that's what a lot of people think, you know, um, that a horse, a career in the horse business, one, they'll think first it's glamorous and fun. Uh, and then the other side, they'll be thinking, oh my gosh, you're going to start a death somewhere in between. You, you really need to, look at that as a passion for you and then you've got to be able to um you've got to be very self-disciplined because you may sell if you're looking at a career in sales and horses um you may be rich one one month and then you know it drops off because it's seasonal it's seasonal it's just like a a real estate market or selling cars you know you have good months you have lighter months so people need to look at, if they're going to go into this business, they need to be prepared to be disciplined and to be very careful as to what they what they buy and sell. Um, our market for what we do is mainly consignment uh, because, again, we could keep enough horses produced to meet the demands of our sales clients. So uh, we would handpick the really upper-end nice horses. In different, different levels. But a lot of times, when young people are starting out, they don't have enough reputation. Uh, somebody's not going to hand over their $65,000 horse to somebody they've never heard of. So you're going to have to establish yourself in the long term. You need to show yourself that you're capable and trustworthy and can manage things. So that, that part of your reputation takes a while. Um, so be patient I would tell young people to be patient do your do 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 your due diligence and do things cor- correctly and honorably honorably <laughs> that's that's very important um, if you say you're going to do something do it don't don't um, make promises that you cannot keep
0: <laughs> that integrity is a word that comes to mind along those lines too
2: Absolutely. Um, our business, uh, horse business, there's a lot of people that, you know, unfortunately don't have a lot of integrity and that will help separate you from the field if you do as you say and that the horses are as they are represented.
0: We've sold horses through you before. Um, we we know your reputation. and uh, But when you have those first time people that come in and they end up buying a horse and, and they don't get along with it. What are ways that you handle that?
2: And that happens. Um, you've got to be able to sell that horse at a price that is a true fair market value. And there, there again comes that integrity part. You can't have, and this happens a lot in our business, people will say, well, I saw so-and-so, and that horse sold for 60000 so mine outruns that one, so it's going to be worth 80000 Well, at the end of the day, that horse is worth what someone else will give for you, and then what would the second person give, give for that horse? So um, when we sell a horse, and and for whatever reason, if, uh, if that person decided they wanted to get in Harley motorcycles instead of barrels you know and we get the horse back in we we resell that horse uh we will receive a commission i mean that's that's the way of our world is a commission but we will stand behind that horse and that's why we're picky as to what we'll sell not all horses that are sent to us um, get represented we don't sell all um mm-hmm. So that, that makes it easier for us. So if we sell you a horse and it doesn't work out. And another thing we do is we do uh, clinics and we try to fix if there's something going on, um, then we try to pinpoint what what's wrong and uh, fix it. That's how we operate.
0: How do you identify, like, you know, you said some horses don't fit your program and, and what you have going on. What are some of those things that make you decide that this one's not a fit for for our for what we do well a lot of times um
2: well for instance this last week uh we had some people want to send in a horse and they've priced priced like a, a 1d horse but the history of the horse he's a 3d and so for me a 3d horse is worth x amount and then from that base is that horse user-friendly or all riders can that horse fit for a beginner or is that you know has he got quirks um so i do basically appraisals on those horses and so if i can't look at that horse and after i've done my history on the horse say that i feel this horse is worth x amount it's not going to do them any good to send me that horse or if those horses come in um say uh, about three weeks ago we got one in Uh, the owner had not seen the horse in a while. They had it at another broker and the horse no longer was the same individual as she thought it was. So we sent the horse back. If we see something physically wrong and that's not saying that all horses are perfect, very few horses. This is one of the things that happens in this industry is people bypass horses on vet tests. Vet tests are the hardest things to get these horses through. Uh, and it will be it will be over minor things Um, even the cheapest of horses anymore these vets will kill a cell and it'll be something minor Um, a lot of times people place too much uh, emphasis on a vet test Uh, that's my opinion (laughs) but Mm -hmm. if we see something alarming if we see a horse that comes in here and we feel like that stifle's not going to hold or that horse has got you know gate issue that's not going to be um workable like uh we got a call in today we did our history and went that horse just uh don't think that horse is going to hold together for the for the market we just pass on it which does upset a lot of owners but if on the other hand if they were coming to us to look for a horse that we try to try to explain to them you know you would want this treatment taken care of for you because we're like a consultant. We're not just making a sale, but we are consulting and trying to make sure that both the buyer and the seller are happy. And a lot of times we may have to get the seller to come down on a price and a buyer to come up to have a meeting of the minds. But there's a lot of things that go in on on selling horses.
0: Yeah. One thing that I really appreciate when we did business with you, and I I think I talked to you about a, a pony at one point in time, and uh, you just, you did a very good job taking the emotion out of business. That was one of the best pieces of advice I ever got. I had a friend sit me down and they just said, "Cammy, you got to take the emotion out of business because sometimes you just have to make a deal that works best and in the long run. It's going to be best for everybody. Even if emotionally, it doesn't feel very good right now. Um, and I think sometimes we get so attached to our horses that, and it can be hard to remember that what you're doing is your livelihood and it's your job and you're trying to do what's best for everybody. and um, that's what your business is and there are other, there are other outlets if, if it doesn't fit, but you've got a good reputation. And so um, that's why people come to you is to trust you because you do such a good job at that.
2: Well, we're, we're real fortunate. Um, like so many of my customers I've never even met and to be able to sell upper end horses to people that you've never physically met and they're relying on you To tell them exactly what that horse is doing and you're having to evaluate their capabilities off of videos, it it can be a deal. And so uh, on those those things like that, I try really hard to have a user-friendly kind of horse. And, And a lot of times, like you said, people will be very attached to their horse. And that's great. I want them to like those horses. You don't want, you really don't want that horse that they go, oh please, get rid of this horse. <laughs> that's probably mm-hmm. something I don't want to deal with either. <laughs> but they're really liking their horse, and and especially I get some horses in here. Uh, I sold one two weeks ago, and I passed on three buyers for this horse because I didn't feel like the horse would be taken care of as well as he deserved and I didn't feel like they would be the optimum for him to have a, he was an older horse, and I just felt like, let's just pass on this, this is going to be a little harder on him, and so when I feel real comfortable with a, someone buying the horse, or someone selling the horse, then, then I'm good with it, I'm good with
0: it. Yeah, I think that goes back to, like, when you, Miley, had asked about, you know, advice that you had for somebody just getting started in this, and self-discipline like the ability to pass up an instant sale or a quick sale because you know that it's not right i mean that gets harder and harder in today's world where it seems like the almighty dollar the faster you can get it the quicker you can get it the better off you are but that's not reality especially not when you're pairing people with a 800 to 1200 pound animal that they get to communicate and live with and take care of, um, you, you have to be as a seller, Sabrina, very disciplined, um, and having the ability to say no and to trust your gut, um, on those things. So that's, that's pretty amazing that you can do that and do do that because a lot of people don't. Well, and that, you
2: know, when you're talking about the young people getting in the business, usually they're they're really needing that sale um they need to be able to make that house payment or that truck payment and you know they're kind of at that point they they may know things that they shouldn't do that they go into and, and i'm telling you don't do it just wait and have patience and eat bologna sandwiches (laughs) Mm -hmm. and what because because in the end your integrity it will make your business it will make you a breaky because i see i see so many people that you know have had possibilities and yet they sell out they sell out and um, what they have to do is they have to go wide meaning they have to go for new customers they have to go kind of take advantage of somebody that just doesn't know them And uh, I would rather just, I I try to just stay deep, meaning I try to stay with the same customers, dealing with them over and over and over. I have certain trainers that I like to deal with because I know what they're telling me is going to be exactly what what that horse is going to be. I like that familiarity. um, And I like dealing with the same customers that I have because I I know pretty well where they should be on their levels. Um, Like when when Miley's mom came to me and said you know I'm looking for uh, Oklahoma high school rodeo horse but, and uh, and I looked at what their goals were and I said we can't meet these goals on this budget and she said okay well I'll just come back with a bigger budget and she <laughs> did and she got the exact perfect horse and they won I mean she and she's not one of these that got frustrated you know sometimes you tell people these things and they go well, you are just hi-hat me. No, I'm just telling you, either lower the expectations or up the budget. And and her mom went, oh, I'll just come back. <laughs> and and she handled it right. But sometimes people look at you like you're insulting them. You're not trying to insult them. You're just trying to save them. Uh, I, I'm not one to blow smoke at somebody and say, oh, yes, you're going to go into 1D, and this horse only costs you $10,000. Yay. no. No, there's going to be a big hole uh, because uh, there's there's something going on there. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm I'm a realist. I'm a realist on those things. And if anything, I'm I'm a little more conservative as to what that horse is going to do than what what I'll tell you. You know, if I say that's a 2D horse, it's probably more like a 1D horse. But when you go home, you're going to be real happy instead of, instead of somebody telling you, oh, this is a 1D horse all day long. And you get home and you're looking, why am I in the 4D?
0: Yeah, with that, I think there's so many, especially with social media, you know, we we hear about the highlight reel and, um, you know, there are instances where people did pay $10,000 or got the horse out of the sale barn or whatever, and then they did end up winners, but they also don't share how many times they got bucked off or how much trouble they went through or how much money they spent entering and training and getting help and all of that that goes into it that probably makes that horse over time, just as expensive as the one that you're trying to sell and avoid all of the the vet bills, the entry fees, the heartache, all of that and the process that it takes into making those sale barn and $10,000 horses into $40,000, dollars $100,000 horses.
2: Well, and they also don't count the odds. The odds, like uh, back when I was young, it was Charmaine and Scamper. And everybody's like, oh, all you gotta do is go get a horse out of the feedlot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that, that wasn't quite the deal. And uh, there's one in the industry right now and and uh, that particular horse uh used to be a bad ducker and it's it's not one of my horses, but it's it's an individual that has won a lot. And you know, everybody's always like, you know, you just need to go get those horses that are problem horses. And, that woman paid the dues. I mean she she sure enough like you said she did a lot of maintenance and she had to do. she donated a lot at these events until she got that horse fixed and people mm-hmm. just don't see that. Um, but the odds, I mean it can happen. I mean people will call me up and want to buy a two-year-old for their eight-year-old child and then grow up like a collie dog um you know I'll I'll, I'll warrant them against it. It's like no, don't do that. that's it could work but the odds are against you <laughs> yes
0: highly against you
2: <laughs> or you see somebody go that goes and gets in and does work and then they go spend buying 10 more cults because now they've got the child that's the proto. you know but they just happen to luck out that one time you know you mm-hmm. try to tell them, don't go don't go put a lien again and i saw this happen the, you know i said you know You lucked into a horse that that placed well at Fort Smith your first out, but that's not the norm. They went and put a lean against their house and bought all these colts. And this girl, this girl wasn't, she wasn't all that. She just lucked in the first one. So, you know, I'm always a little more cautious. I'm, well, I'm real
1: cautious. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I know you're a rodeo mom and do you have any advice for rodeo parents right now? Because- I feel like that's not looked at enough sometimes. And I sometimes I think rodeo parents need some advice too. Well,
2: you know, you're you're extremely lucky that you have the support system you have. And I tell the parents, um, a lot of times I'll have parents they'll be talking about, well, you know, it costs so much to have this. They need to look at that big picture. Those kids are only young for a short amount of time. Get behind them do whatever you need to do, make them work at it. Don't do it for them, you know, teach them a work ethic, but support them, you know, um, both our kids rodeoed, uh, but Cody, Cody took it to the extreme there. And so we did whatever it took to keep him mounted, keep a rig going. So that means you got to have about three rigs to keep on going. <laughs> and, you know, don't worry about the expense, you know, you get some of these parents that are like, oh, it's so expensive. Well, what is the development of that youth to be an adult, to be successful in life because you learn so much more than just winning or losing the dollar at a rodeo. That's that's not the big picture. The big picture is how much is that person going to be successful in life? How much do they learn from working? to gain success because that's a career builder right there. So I tell parents, if you've got a kid that's showing you that interest, get behind them. Um, You know, Emily, Emily Miller, Emily Beisel now was one of my kids when she was really little. And, you know, her parents kind of thought she was just going to be going through a phase. And we were like, Oh no, that kid has the it factor. You need to get behind her. And, and they did. And look where she's at. So I, I want those parents to really and, and enjoy it. Enjoy it. The whole family, man, what a what a great industry. There's no age limit on it.
0: I did a podcast with Emily Miller um a while back, but I call a with her. And so she's such a sweet, sweet person. Um and I remember, you know, just thinking, yes, her parents did get behind her. And and from an outsider's point of view, I thought, man, she's she's really got it going on and she did. But then in the podcast that I learned, you know, 10 years later, um, that her parents did set her up for success. But as you're saying with the career and, and the big picture and the work ethic, she also had a checking account. I believe she said when she was in ninth grade, you know, and her yeah. parents utilized yeah. this avenue, um, this vessel, as we talk about in Rodeo Kids often, um, to I'm be too- the way that they taught her how to take on life, Um, whether you choose to do it through sports or through rodeo or through showing cattle or or whatever it is, that's a parent's opportunity to teach their kids, just like you said, um, responsibilities. What happens when you put in the work? What happens when you don't put in the work? Uh, There's just so many lessons that you get to learn. And when you throw animals into the mix, man, you just have an awesome combination
2: yeah consequences for your actions you know emily emily was a, a really mature individual and um i can remember the day that i told tom man emily can come back anytime but you got to get her a horse <laughs> was, yeah and he would get stuff that was really really not not uh, uh it was very economical <laughs> they were economical horses but she was ready to go on and um uh, you know she learned at at an early age, which that's what this industry can do when handled correctly. She learned to go ahead and like Emily would train her horses and then she would move up and she would sell those horses and move up. And um, that all comes from that basis of, of learning the reward system of, of managing your business, managing it early. And I think that's one of the greatest attributes of, of, rodeos, youth events, um, because you do have a product at the end of the day and you have a business plan. Um, our boys, we started them, they, they got paid. They had their own checking accounts when they were seven and they would get paid for all the time. They would get, um, paid for holding horses for pictures or videos or doing things like that. So they learned real quick. it pays to go to the barn.
0: That's pretty awesome. I love that. And that's, you know, a great incentive is Miley asked, you know, just different things about how advice for parents, you know, it's, it's okay to give them this responsibility because, and to take some of that responsibility off of yourself. You know, I, we see a lot of parents doing, we just had a, a little Britches rodeo um, at our facility here in Iowa. And it's amazing how many of these parents are, you know, saddling horses for their kids and doing things like that. And, you know, at our house, if, if they're four years old, they're helping saddle, you know, that obviously they can't do it all on their own, but they're, they're dang sure lifting a stirrup and doing what they can to help out. And it is okay to let your children fail too, and learn again, how to then make it work. Um, and it's just amazing when you set them up like that, the joy that they feel, um, in accomplishing a task, and what it means to the the self um, esteem that they get from that is just amazing, and that's what allows them to go on in life.
2: Yeah, they learn not to be fragile. And the thing is, um, like you said, any age can go and clean a stall. <laughs> any age can drag a scoop of feed, and I think that's where those those kids learn early on. You know, and you you know, and you're talking about failure. That's what I think a lot of society is lacking. These, these kids are growing up that are not rodeo kids, but they think everything is owed to them. Rodeo kids figure out real quick. It only comes around if you earn it. And um, you know that's I do see some of these kids where the parents are doing a lot of the work and you'll, you'll try to advise them, look, if it's safe for that child, let them, let, them, let them do that work themselves. So that when they win, they reward themselves. They have that that self-accomplishment. It it means as much as as what that check is or that trophy is or whatever, is that feeling of self-accomplishment. You don't get that unless you do fail. You gotta have Mm -hmm. some failures in there that you really enjoy that winning.
0: Yes. Can you relate to that, Miley?
1: Yes, a lot. (laughs) If you were to tell your younger self one thing, what would it be? Let me
2: think way on back there because I've been here a long time. Um, I would tell myself, because here's some mistakes that I did early on. Um, When I grew up, we were having to, you know, like I said, we buy really cheap horses that, you know, and then try to bring them along, fix them and then sell them. Well, I think I would tell myself to slow down because what I, I did do, uh, you know, and again as a trainer, you don't become a trainer by always doing everything right. You learn from your mistakes, and the mistakes that I did was that I I uh, had sold some of my saddles, went to an auction, and I was I was uh, I was eleven then, and bought a two year old stud. My dad had we were from a ranch. He said, "Don't bring a mare and don't bring a stud." So I brought a two year old stud home from a dispersal, <laughs> and that yeah. cold. You know, made and and made so quick. Um, I did everything from working cow horse raining. I made the world show um, junior world uh, team on barrels, pole, stakes, and raining and and working cow horse for the state of Texas uh, as a four year old. And I and I pushed him too hard. So by the time he was a five six year old, I blew him up and then had to come back and bring him bring him back. So mm. I would tell myself as a young person slow down even if you're winning you still got to slow down on your training you, just because you're winning doesn't mean that you're doing it all correctly mm.
0: that's
1: good stuff yeah it makes you really think about it
0: not only for your horses but just as we were talking about before like you know parents and if you if you are getting a a younger horse for your kid and if they're going out there and having success in the beginning to still Take it back to the basics and the fundamentals when you're back in the practice pen and slow things down. And it doesn't have to all happen right away.
2: Yeah, don't burn them up because, uh, you know, again, there's no trainer that has not burned up a horse. There's no trainer that hasn't made major mistakes. Or they wouldn't be a trainer. So that's right. You see them yourself exactly like a horse. You you figure out how to make things work. Like this last week I come up with a contraption. <laughs> you're always you're always making new mechanical things. So this this last week I've come up with a new contraption on horses that were getting behind the bit. But you only you only learn to to adapt by having issues. <laughs> and you only uh-huh. have issues by being a trainer <laughs> and seeing that you got problems.
0: <laughs> we did a, a podcast with Bailey Chote last week, and one of the things that she said that really really stuck was to be water and how water if you put it into any shape it will adapt to it whereas if you take concrete and try to put it into anything a concrete block is a concrete block is a concrete block there's no adapting that and sometimes we can get kind of hard-headed and and not adapting and then we find ourselves not learning anymore not growing going backwards getting frustrated or expecting our horses to to do things the same way they've always done, but they've got brains, not motors. Um, so we really liked that be water and just learning well, to adapt. And as you were saying, continue to continue to learn.
2: Well, it's like my cousin uh, was riding oh, several years ago and she was like, well, you, you didn't, you didn't tell you, this is not how you had me riding before. And I said, this, this whole thing has evolved. I said, just because, you know, back when I was young, it was all, martha martha Josie, that was that was kind of who who set the standard on on training and things you know as far as clinics and things and i said but the styles have changed so much with you know adapting like maturity writers different styles and so if you don't if you don't progress in your thinking then you're outdated and then you're outran so there's your choices Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> either
0: adapt or lose <laughs> yes ma'am yes ma'am
1: is there anything else you'd like to add you know I, I would hope people
2: you know if they're not into barrel racing or something i hope they try it because this is a great sport whether it's rodeos or roping you know gosh they you know help those kids um those younger generations uh, I was watching them there in the warm-up pan today and this little girl was sitting on the fence and I took a picture of her because she's just cute. The 17 hand horse is standing there and, and he's got his head down. This this girl's tiny. Her little stirrups couldn't have been 10 inches. Help those kids, you know. If they're <laughs> those are the ones that, you know, may not outrun you today, but encourage them to stay in there. You know, she was having a little bit of a hard day. You know, she's out here with all these adults and You know, you just go give them a pat on the back and get behind those kids.
0: Yes, ma'am. Are there any tips or tricks? You know, you've been in this game for a long time and, you know, you've been a competitor. You've been a businesswoman. You've been a rodeo mom. What is um, a piece of advice that you have to stay mentally strong in all of this? Uh, Well, you know, the hardest thing
2: is the middle game. (laughs) You know, it's not when you're winning winning is everything's all great and you know everybody wants your autograph when you're winning it's when you're not winning that you have to get mentally tough and uh, you know you get you get to figure out if you can sustain that's the ones that stay in the game um you know when you haven't had and it happens like uh, i remember you know, Oat Berry, I think he, I think he had not got a check in 21 rodeos in a row, all in for the world, and ends up in the end, he won the world. So, you know, mentally, you kind of got to tell yourself, this is just a phase. This is just part of it. You know, it's a, it's a roller coaster in this event, and just because you're winning today, don't get that big head because tomorrow, somebody's going to kick your teeth in, and that's okay <laughs> because he's going to go home. And you're going to say, okay, what did I do wrong? What do I need to fix? You know, um, it happens. And if you're going to, if you're going to be in here on the long game, you just got to ride it out and know that it's going to get better. <laughs> I Promise you if I get better. You just got to stick with it. You know, you see a lot of these people that want instant gratification, you know, they want and, and they want to meet me at the barrel race and they'll, they want to try that horse out at a barrel race worst thing you could do go to a barrel race try them out you're not giving that horse a chance and you're not giving yourself a chance and you're kind of insulting everybody else that works all week long for years and years that you're figuring on showing up and you're just gonna outrun them you know slow it down slow it down give yourself some time do it right and when things don't work go home figure it out don't just throw your sucker in the dirt figure out what the issue was ask some questions doesn't mean you got to take everybody's advice but mentally think what what can I do to fix this and then watch some
0: podcasts (laughs) yes that's right um if somebody here who listens to this podcast says man I like what's I like what she says it sounds like it's great I want to get a hold of her to see if she's got a horse that'll fit me or my child um where can they find you well,
2: we have Devers Performance Horses, and we're on the social media under that, and it's also under Sabrina Devers, and uh, we we are pretty well known uh, off of the social media, and we're also on the YouTube, um, but usually you can find us just on the social media. We do have our own website, that's barrelhorse.com. Uh, it stays
0: behind <laughs>
2: Mm -hmm. but our youtube is up to date and our social media uh facebook pages are
0: okay awesome yeah well thank you so much for joining us today sabrina this is like you said you know you you've been here you you've done it you've got the experience and um been doing it since you were 12 that's impressive and to stick with it uh we just appreciate you taking the time to to share all of this information with us today. And, and thank you for giving back to the kids too, because just like you said, you know, we we have to give back to them because they're kids and because they're gonna be the next generation. And if we wanna keep this alive, I mean, one day we hope that they do beat us because that's the goal is to yes. continue to evolve and to grow.
2: If you, can, if you can train a horse or you can train someone to outrun you, that's the goal. And so many times people look at that. as like, oh, my God, they outrun the coach. No, that's what the coaches, you know, the right coaches are trying to They're trying to get you where you're better than they are.
0: <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. And we wish you the best of luck at the BBR finals thank this you. week and, and at the Ruby Buckle and everywhere you're headed. <laughs>
2: All right. Thank you so much. Enjoyed it.